new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Are you tired of fighting your air? Constantly lighting candles or replacing air fresheners to mask household odors from pets, smoke, musty basement, shoes, or just stagnant, stuffy air, yet never gaining on it? Take charge of your air with an Easy Breathe ventilation system. For over 20 years, Easy Breathe has been providing air exchanges and reducing airborne particles by up to 85%. Right now, receive 20% off your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Welcome to High Stakes, Episode 15. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter, at PlayerQDFS. The producer of High Stakes is Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at, at AwesomeYo. And my guest today is Eric Bimefor, who you can find on Twitter, at Eric Bimefor. Eric and I, uh, we orbit kind of the same spaces, but we rarely actually cross paths. Uh, I play kind of mid-stakes DFS, the largest field contest. Eric actually plays the highest stakes contest. So he's a, he's a great guest for this show, being a high stakes shark. Uh, I also play generally just, you know, the pro sports, NFL, MLB, NBA. Eric, uh, his most recent, as, as far as I know, his most recent six-figure win was in NBA, winning $125,000 in a high stakes contest in November. But typically, Eric also is a shark in college sports uh, as one of his areas of expertise, which I don't really play a whole lot. Uh, and also a real-world example, Eric was, uh, up until this fall, the recurring guest on Jordan Cooper's Theory of DFS podcast, Eric stepped away to start doing more best ball content, and then Jordan asked me to step in. So we, you know, we've been in a lot of the same spaces, but we rarely cross paths. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? And, and do you miss your uh, weekly conversations with Blender? You want? A, am I supposed to give a PC answer, or am I supposed to give the honest no? Give answer you re, be real. Here. Okay. Be no, real, I'm kidding. Real. I'm kidding. I love Blender. I love Blender. The show is awesome. You guys have done an awesome job since I left. Even better for sure than when I was on there. It was. A great experience to go through all of that with with Blender. He's an incredibly sharp mind and a great person to talk to. We were actually talking like really quickly before the show that like, you know, he is the great kind of person to, um, you know, put you to the test on your beliefs. And and like he's not he doesn't mean anything in a negative way, but he always challenged me to be thoughtful. That's a this thoughtful word is like a big thing uh, from, from Blender and from um, Drew Dinkmeyer, actually, um, from Establish the Run that that uh, it is hit home with me and i appreciate someone that can make me be thoughtful about um different things because i think that's like kind of what separates the good and the bad players it's just like do you think you know everything do you think you know like i said you have it all figured out or like are you willing to talk like you and i talk or uh blender and i talk and like be him challenge me and i'm i'm being thoughtful about 
different uh, strategies, you know, experiences, how I played a certain slate or whatever. And that's how we grow. And so I have, I will always um, love Blender for, for how he made me a better, a better DFS player. I like to give him shit um, because, uh, well, not even me, I don't say, I don't have to say anything, but you get in the comments of the videos and stuff. And it's always like, is this fucking guy ever going to let the other person talk? You know? So I like to, I let you know that just as well as I do. Yeah. So I love, I love to hold that over his head for sure. Oh, for sure. People, people love to comment about Blender not letting you talk. Uh, but yeah, I also, I love having that, that high level conversation. I definitely feel like I have learned a lot from Blender. So I definitely uh, benefit from being on the show as well. Um, but with, with that in mind, what is your trick? I was just watching some of your shows with Blender uh, yesterday, just kind of preparing for the show. And I was like, man, Eric was so good at like getting words in like much better than I think that I am some, I have weeks where I'm better than others, but like this week I felt like, man, I did not do a very good job of stepping in. So what, what's your trick? How do you, how do you get words in with Blender? Well, I think I'm just a natural asshole. Okay. I think that like, helps. you know, if, if he's, if he's like coming at me, it's like, uh, it, it's ingrained in me to like, you know, fuck <laughs> you, dude. I'm like, I, you know, like this is what I think or whatever. Um, I think it takes, I actually, it's actually a really good question because I do think it takes a lot of time and effort to learn how to simultaneously kind of stand up for what you believe in while also not being stubborn and rigid. And I think that is actually what part of what working with Blender and doing that show helped me with is I actually think I was probably too far the other way a long time ago, many years ago of like, I think I have all the answers. I'm, you know, I'm winning at DFS. And so I'm good and I know what I'm doing and, you know, I'm not, I can't do any wrong. And then kind of coming full circle to being like, I, I want to listen to you and I want to hear what you have to say and, and your opinions, but then I'm also going to stand up and say, well, no, here's what I believe in. And maybe we'll exchange, this would happen with Blender. Sometimes uh, I would end the conversation and I'd be like, he's a fucking idiot. You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm right. He's wrong, whatever. But also other times we would end the conversation and it would be, um, you know, you're, that was interesting. You're right. I think I could have done this better, or I think I might do this better on the next slate or whatever. And so, but I think that's a skill. It's definitely a skill to learn, kind of like yeah. a, I would call it, uh, you know, strong beliefs loosely held. That's yeah. how I pretty much Absolutely. operate my life, you know, yeah. is like, I, I believe in what I believe in. I'm going to stand up for it and I'm willing to stand up for it, but I'm also willing to listen and hear the other side and grow, hopefully grow like from, from, from someone else's perspective. Yeah. So, so I think my takeaway here is that I need to be challenging Blender more. Uh, and I, I mean that seriously. I think that uh, yeah, I've gotten that criticism before that I don't really ever challenge Blender. And part of it is because I respect Blender so much. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I think that he's, he's such a sharp guy that I'm like, I take it all in and I'm like, I'm listening intently. And sometimes I guess I, I forget to participate because he's, uh, he is, you know, I, I respect him. I'm listening to what he's saying. And I don't think to like, wait, but I disagree with you. And, you know, sometimes maybe, maybe that happens more than I, uh, than I think it does that I actually sometimes I'm like questioning things, but generally I just, I just think that he is such a great DFS teacher that I don't think to step in, but maybe it would make for a better conversation uh, if I did challenge him from time to time, and and maybe it'll just uh, he'll, he will strengthen his point if I do. So uh, so maybe, well, he maybe is, that is the best advice. He is a really good teacher. He has a skill for communicating in a way, and I appreciate him for that. And I've I think I, I've taken some from him, like as I've moved into some of these new projects and stuff, I've taken some of that from him. In like, how can I communicate this? probably advanced subject or new at least at least maybe not advanced because we're talking about fantasy sports here right it's not really that it's not really that advanced but like a nuanced 
it's a very new, like a lot, everything that we talk about is really not complicated, but it's nuanced. And I don't think most people understand the difference, yep. but explaining a nuance, like explaining a complex thing is certainly difficult, but it just requires intelligence. Explaining a nuanced thing re requires like thoughtfulness and communication, you know, abilities. And Blender yep. has that like down to a T. He can explain these really, you know, kind of complex, again, now I just fucked it up. Explain <laughs> these, these nuanced, nuanced subjects in a way that are, you know, you can really, it hits, right? He says yep. it and you're like, well, damn, that made sense. You know, that, that I, I appreciate what he says, even though you might disagree. So you get caught, like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. you're not saying anything because you're like, he explained that really well. That makes sense. Yeah. He's also very quick on his feet. Uh, I feel like we, we were supposed to be roasting Blender for an hour here, and we're just kind of yeah. going the opposite way. We're really going to disappoint listeners here. Uh, but enough about Blender. Let, let's talk about you a little bit. He's the uh, worst. That's he the is the worst. Thing. He's the absolute guy. worst. Yes, the worst. he's the worst. Let's, uh, we got to get that in before we finish. Talks too much, just obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let, let's get into your background a little bit. I like to usually start these shows just by talking about background. Uh, and then a, a few questions that I like to start with, just uh, what, what kind of background do you have in statistics? Do you have any formal or informal training? Oh, great question. Um, so I actually have a finance degree. I got nice. a, a, I got a degree in finance. So I was like more, definitely much more on like the math side of things growing up, um, played, played, a, played poker. You know, a lot of people in our space come from like poker and I definitely played hardcore poker when I was like in high school and like early college. So maybe up till the age of 20, 21 or something like that. And I think it came from some of just the general math background. Like I said, I was interested in finance and statistics, like you said, and those those areas. I got away from the poker space earlier than like a lot of the people that we, uh, you know, communicate with and talk Black to Friday. In, in this space. Yeah, exactly. Before that, for sure. I was more of a home game guy than I played online okay. for sure, but I was a lot more of a home game guy. I had a buddy um, who was, we were both like huge into poker and we would just basically travel together it started before i could drive he's a year older than me and so he had his license before i did and we would wow. find all the local games back then you know like this is like pre-cell phone era you could play <laughs> so you, you were 15 i assume were, were you able yeah. to like go to casinos and play not casinos it was okay. all like local home games like some and sometimes very like in people's crazy. basements yes correct okay exactly. all right, all right. so like picture me this so i'm i'm about a uh, i like to say i'm six foot my wife jokes she's like that you're the six foot guy or you're the 511 guy who says he's six foot yeah. so this 511 skinny little you know white kid going into these like seedy you know basements all around the st louis area because we were pretty good at cards and uh that was like like that was i didn't work like I didn't have a job and stuff like that was how I made my money as a kid. Like I wow. like uh, sneakers and I like, you see like basketball jerseys and stuff yeah. like that. Like it, that was what, uh, what got me through back then um, was those kind of like sketchy poker games. But that was my poker experience. Like I said, I, I, I got out of it into college. Um, I played, I played college football and got into on the statistics side of things. You talk about my sports passion and kind of numbers passion I actually got into sports betting which so this was you know through like degenerate bookies apparently i'm finding out now on this show that i have like a little bit of a sketchy like you know underground i mean you're background. a dfs guy so you're, you're gonna yeah. be a, a degenerate a little bit but yeah was this still in high school then you're dealing with bookies Co college it was oh, in, okay. it was in, it was in college and um had some success in betting on sports i think a little bit because of kind of like you said, with the statistics and math background and just sports, like uh, I've just been a sports nut my whole life. And so I think sports betting was actually what ended up trans transitioning me into 
into uh, the DFS space, which I also think in turn, you mentioned some of the college stuff and some of the niche sports stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's where that love came from. And like even best ball from, uh, you know, we'll get into that later, I'm sure, where like that's a little bit more of a niche kind of new thing um, to, to grind. I got into that, like grinding, like most of my like action back in the day in sports betting was, you know, like Quinnipiac against St. Peter's, you know, on nice. a Tuesday night. It was because like I was just grinding out that those little edges in in those sports and a lot of that doesn't exist quite as much anymore as it did you know jesus we're talking 12 12 or 15 years ago now but um that kind of combination of the sports thing and the math thing is how i kind of landed where i am now that makes sense when you say that those kinds of uh things don't exist anymore do you mean that those bets are no longer available or just the edge isn't there anymore um the bets are definitely available there's even okay, more there's even more, but the it's not that the edge um, much even sharper like college and and handicapping minds than I will definitely tell you that the edge still exists, but I think it's much less so because there are so many people who who figured out that they existed that when you when you're just getting ninety percent of the action on Quinnipiac on a Tuesday night the the books have gotten hipper. Obviously okay. now we're in the U we're in the U S which we're in a much different sports betting environment than betting on five dimes, right? I, I was gambling on five dimes, you know, back in the, back in the day or with my local bookie, I'm texting in or calling in bets, right? And we're in a very different uh, market yeah. now than we were back then. Sounds like it. Uh, all right. Uh, another, another question that I typically ask is uh, what kind of training formal or informal do you have in computer programming? Oh, that's a funny question. So my, my weird career path, like I said, I have a finance degree. I got a job in finance out of, of college. It was actually at Boeing. So I, I live in St. Louis and Boeing, one of the, one of the hubs for Boeing mm -hmm. is St. Louis. And so they're a huge employer around here. Got a job in finance at Boeing and um, fairly quickly realized, I realized I hated finance. <laughs> and okay. so, but I supported um, like an analytics organization, basically. They were like our data warehousing and analytics organization. So I was like the finance financial analyst for for this this um, org at Boeing. And I loved like everything that they did. I hated all the like financial processes that I had to do, but I loved everything that they did. And so I moved around the company a little bit and ended up like still kept in touch with the people that I worked with in that organization and ended up, moving over into like a project management type role within the analytics organization there. And so from there, I did get a little bit of like, if you really made me new on curiosity stream, I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns reimagined for our time. Now this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Write some sequel right now. I think I could do it. Okay. That's about it. It's been a long time. I, I actually wanted to go get a... Uh, a master's in like um, business intelligence and stuff like that. And I took some classes. I never finished it, but okay. um, 
I have a little bit, a little bit, maybe more so than the average person, but not anything crazy. Okay. I, I usually save uh, this question for the process segment of this show. I don't think we're going to do as much DFS process just because I want to talk some best ball with you as well. And we're a little bit limited on time. So I'm just going to ask you now, is it, do you use your computer program at all in your DFS process? Like, are you doing things uh, in Excel or like any other kind of uh, programming language? Is that part of your process? Yeah. Uh, another great, I love these questions. Um, in Excel a little bit. Yeah. So it's funny because I actually talked with this about Blender for the longest time. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. Um, I'm, I am actually very much so more of a feel, a feel DFS player, which is kind of mm -hmm. funny because that's, you know, that's not like what you would think of. My background was kind of right. the opposite, but then I got into DFS and I think I actually really struggled. At, I don't think I know I struggled for a long time, figuring out what worked best for me. And DFS for multiple years, I lost money. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, you're just entering the Sunday million on FanDuel with a bunch of teams. And the next thing you know, like, oh, I cashed two out of 30 of these. And like, you know, I, what went wrong? I have no idea what went wrong because <laughs> I was just building teams. And it took me a really long time to start to figure out exactly how to do it. And actually, when I first started having success, like I said, it was a lot more feel-based um, of, a, of a process kind of feeling out. I do think that's one of my general skills is like feeling out my opponents and how they're approaching a slate or whatever. Like even if nowadays, I'm, I'm sure you can, can appreciate this, you know, we get like ownership projections and stuff yeah. and they're inherently flawed because everyone, if, if Osimo or Roto-Grinders post an ownership projection and people who understand that ownership is important, look at it. The, the, the highest owned teams are not going to be as high owned and yep. vice versa, right? The lowest, the, the, you know, everybody's looking at the top stacks tool, right? You guys have a top stacks tool. We yep. have a, a product at Roto-Grinders that I built called Slate IQ, which does, they do very similar things, trying to identify the over-owned, under-owned, whatever teams. But if everybody is looking at all of that inherently, yep. right? The team that, if you guys say the Yankees are under-owned and we say the Yankees are under-owned, guess who's not going to be under-owned? The Yankees, right? And so yep. that whole like kind of feel-based process is something that I think um, was what helped like me kick off kind of my success in DFS. But then I eventually did start to build in a little bit of the, I'm going to um, and like I said, Blender actually kind of helped me with this. God, I hate that we're saying such positive things about Blender, <laughs> but it helped me with like, just put a number on something. And so I was doing some of that where I was like, I disagree with this projection ownership or points or whatever, but like, I'm just pulling it in and, and, and doing like, I just use Roto-Grinders. My, you know, that's the company I work for. I use those projections, whether it's Cardi or whoever, but like when I have a disagreement on something, actually putting a number to it was also really helpful for me from a process perspective. So I did start to use a little bit more of that. And that's part of what I think helped, helped me grow over the last two or three years. Yep. Yeah. Blender and I have talked about that recently and yeah, we're talking about Blender a lot. Uh, the, the, how, how, how like what, Top stacks, like as you said, the top stacks tool, everybody looks at it or, or the Roto Grinders uh, Slate IQ is everybody's looking at the same kind of stuff and it ended up changing the projection. So yeah. he was he was saying like, maybe we need to be doing a little bit more like anti-competitive, I think is the word that he used to kind of look at that stuff and figure out, okay, where is this wrong? And it is, it's it's tough sometimes because it's like, well, if these numbers are right, then I'm going to love the, uh, you know, this, this positive leverage on the Yankees or the Dodgers. So I, I've definitely been uh, given more thought recently to like, usually I don't, 
go with the most positively leveraged, especially if it is like some, if it is like the Yankees or the Dodgers or the team in cores, if they have positive leverage, I'm more likely to try to find like the middling teams that maybe people that don't stand out as much to people. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's an interesting problem that we have, there, there are too many good players now that are using these, the same information that we are. So it is kind of, you need to be kind of uh, forging your own path a little bit. Yeah, um, the market is really mature, right? So um, I, I love that you said that because that, in honestly, I think when I started to have the most success of, uh, a handful of years ago, like in some of these smaller field contests, that was like kind of what I did from that, again, from that like field-based perspective. It was like, I see all the data everybody else sees, right? I see the projections. I see the leverage. I see all of that stuff. But it's like, if everybody sees the same leverage as me and everybody sees who the best plays are as me, how do I find this middle ground of I'm still getting enough leverage and enough projection? So like I said, I'm, I'm very focused on the smaller field stuff so that in that field, like I just need like that one thing, right? Like uh, one, of, one of my biggest wins was um, uh, on the Nets a night when Kevin Durant was out and Kyrie. So it's Durant and Kyrie and they played the Utah Jazz. And all I like – I. Everything about, like, th there was ways to get leverage in that game. There was ways to do all of that. And all I did was I couldn't see a path forward without going to the middle. And all of the middle of that slate was everything besides that game. And so I was just like, X. We X'd it all out and prayed. And yeah. it blew out. It, the Jazz won by 40 or whatever. Nope, you know, some guys, like, kind of got there. But it also wasn't the guy, you know, it was it was TLC instead of, this is a year ago or whatever. So whoever, you know, instead of Bruce Brown, it was TLC. Okay. Yeah. Type of, type of situation. You know, it was, it was James Johnson instead of Nick Claxton, right. That got there. And so it's like in a hundred man field, it was like, I don't need to be perfect. I just yeah. need my opponents to screw up. So let me find that middle ground where it's like, if they miss on the one thing or two things, now I just have everything else open and available to me and there's plenty of you know good options my team's not going to project as well whatever but um that that nuance again using the nuance word is like that's the thing i'm trying to focus on now but that's also what makes this game really hard because yeah. you can't just do the top stacks tool you can't just use projections because everybody's using that and everybody's really good like there's yeah. way too many really good players yeah that is for sure um you kind of already answered the question, uh, what got you into DFS? I mean, you were a sports fan, you were a degenerate, you were a, a poker <laughs> player. Uh, sounds like you, you had all of those things kind of led you into DFS. Um, when, when let's put a timeline to it. When did you start playing DFS? And you, you said that you struggled for a bit at first. I was the same way. It took me a few years to really kind of catch on and start becoming a winning player. Uh, do you know approximately what year you started playing and how long it took you to start winning? Ooh, it took a long time. I know the answer to the question to the second question for sure. I would say maybe ten years, give or take. It's somewhere in the ten year. Uh, we're starting. We're, we've been in this a long time now. Like yeah. I used to probably be able to answer this question a lot more accurately. Now it's been so long that like I don't even know how long I've been working for Roto Grinders. That's how long we've been doing this whole thing. But um, I, I want to say ten years is about a, a benchmark of when I first started playing. And this was, I played most of my action on DraftKings. Um, now and have for several years back then I only played on FanDuel 
Uh, too. When I very, when I very, when I very first started, I feel like a lot of people are like that. Have you had yeah. that experience on this? I think, well, um, FanDuel was the leader at the time. So like, I, I think when I started, so I started in 2013. So I guess that's nine years ago at that point, FanDuel was by far the bigger, the bigger company. I'm, I'm reading dueling with Kings right now. So they, they talk about that a bit, how FanDuel was kind of, oh, you, you got it out there. there. Yeah. yeah it's how, how FanDuel was the leader at the time. And then I think it was around like 2015 DraftKings really up their game, up their marketing really kind of took over. So I think that's probably why we all started on FanDuel and eventually moved over to DraftKings. I guess I don't know for sure. That makes that 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 does make sense because I've actually never actually thought about why the why behind it. But everybody I talked to is like, oh yeah, I was playing the Sunday Million every, every you know. And and it's also so funny to look back. Like my contest selection was horrible. I'm like I'm starting out and I'm like I'm going to spend two hundred dollars on this Sunday and I just fire off eight Sunday Million teams. And it's like the what like that's probably not you know when you're not good. That's probably right. not a very good uh, way to attack this slate. But yeah, so started on FanDuel probably about 10 years ago or so and mm-hmm. really had no idea what I was doing. Um, I'm also, I've also always been super into fantasy sports. And so right. it was actually some, sometime around that time I uh, founded a startup um, that ironically uh, a coworker of yours, Adam Scherer, uh, that's how I met Adam. Um, oh, and and, and um, I, I don't know if Max... Smotrisky still does stuff um, for for Osimo, but um, uh, DFS Max on Twitter. I, I met both of them actually um, through this startup that I that I uh, I created, and um, it was a it was it was a little more of like a community based type thing back before everybody had a Slack and a Discord and all that kind of stuff. That was basically what we were doing, and then we also were doing some content and stuff too. And that's how I met Adam, and uh, I didn't like I said I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at that time. But I started to really then like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this space. I came from a season long, like background in terms of, of fantasy sports. I think like a lot of people did, you know, people come from poker, but um, more of the casual people come from like, look, I play a Sunday home league with my buddies, you know, on Yahoo or ESPN or whatever. And, you know, I've always been successful in those. And so why can't I win at this game? And then you show up. And you realize really quickly that like, guess what? Just because you can beat your idiot buddies in your 12-man home league doesn't mean you can win at this uh, DFS game. And so uh, it took me a long time of figuring out all the things that I I think I take for granted now. Contest selection, roster construction, correlation, all those different things that are just like, I can't even start to build a team now without those things just like inherently being put into the team and back then it was just like no i like jarek mckinnon today yeah what do you mean i'm playing great today yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly and so but it it took a it took that evolution of of figuring all that out and i think being invested in the space like i said with um getting into kind of the startup world around it really really helped and ironically adam had had a little bit more success than i had before we started but it was really funny because um he started doing some some content i was doing some content and we're also building this um i was also building this site and when you start to really take it serious and said be thoughtful about all of this stuff and like actually think deeply about it instead of just like picking your favorite players every sunday you start to realize all these different elements and you figure out, right. How do I mean, like what even contest should I play? How how do I manipulate empire maker and awesome. and, you know, back then it was Sahil and uh, those guys. So um, it was a really long and trying process, but um, 
I think getting ingrained into the to the industry is honestly really what kickstarted it for me. So I'm I'm curious. You might have uh, named it. What what was the name of your startup? Slurve. So it's called Slurve. S L U R V, like a pitch. Okay. Uh, uh, like Slurve. Yeah. And it was it was uh, dire- it was directed towards season long fantasy sports. A little bit of both, yeah. Okay. And I think that was actually partially where we screwed up is that DFS was taken off and um, we were trying to play to both crowds. Okay. But it was like a it was like a community. Basically, like we, we basically built a custom form of like a Discord, like our own Discord or Slack or whatever. And um, that was basically what the product that was built around is you come to this community. This is where you hang out if you play fantasy sports. And um, part of, like I said, why I think we, we failed was because we didn't focus enough because this was the early days of DFS, you yeah. know, back then. And so we didn't quite like now I would be like, why would I ever bring season long into this but then i didn't know any i didn't i you know i was an idiot it was the most popular old. at the time i mean at that yeah. point season long is what we knew and it was really popular still so i everybody I knew matthew barry yeah. nobody knew you know Rondia even like or yeah uh, or even like csu or whatever yeah, you yeah. know the guys who've become really nobody knew who that was matthew yeah. barry had three million followers on twitter i'm like you know evan silva like i, I those are the guys i wanted to to you know uh team up with but in turn I learned <laughs> that I was very wrong about that hypothesis, but it led me like that was part of what led me to where I am today. So it's like one of those, you know, that didn't work out perfectly, but I mean, shit, um, uh, don't ever tell Adam this either. We're talking way too positively about a bunch of dickheads <laughs> yeah. on this, but you know, Adam will be a lifelong friend of, of mine. And I got, I got that, um, through that experience and I'm here today. I met my former boss now, Cal Spears at Rotor Grinders through that experience. And so, um, that's a big proponent and like shoot your so, shot, man, go do have fun, go for it. And, and maybe I'm just biased cause it helped me, but, uh, it seems uh, really like good advice. Yeah. It's generally good advice. Uh, when you say that you got to know Adam and Cal, what was Adam like an employee of yours or contributor to the yeah. website or just somebody who, okay. That's what and so, Cal, Cal also Cal. So Cal, um, new on curiosity stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more was trying to, we built this, like I said, this like um, chat-esque, Discord-esque software. And at that time, if you remember, so this is, uh, again, like 10, 10 years, almost 10 years ago. Uh, if you go to any site, right, obviously Osmo wasn't wasn't around, but like you go to Roto Grinders, Roto Grinders, there was the forums. And then like there was the chat box, like this, just this little chat yeah, box yep. on, on the screen, right? There you used was to have no... that on FanDuel. There used to be a FanDuel chat. Yes. Do you remember that? Exactly. So yep. it was all these like shitty, uh, I forget. Oh my God. I'm good. It's going to piss me off what the chat software was. 
Um, but anyway, they all used the same crappy, look like AOL Instant Messenger from like, you know, the mid 90s chat software. And so we were trying to basically build like what Slack or Discord was. And um, we somehow got synced up with, with, um, with RG and Cal was running RG at the time. And uh, we were actually trying to implement our software onto Rotogrinders as like the, and, and so as, you know, Rotogrinders, you know, a huge company now like has just tons of users and tons of traffic. And we're this little startup with three people <laughs> try like, you know, and have like no customers. And like the first company that we're trying to build on is freaking Rotogrinders. And so, you know, you just run into some technical hurdles and all that kind of stuff, but that helped me meet, you know, my, my current and, and, you know, uh, and former employers and stuff. So, uh, but we started to do some content to like kind of the underdog approach where like underdog obviously is a platform. They want people to come play um, fantasy sports and, and best ball and pick them and all that stuff. And, and soon to be a sports book on there, but they also have like a content wing. That was a little bit of our approach too. So we like, I, we were paying Adam to come in and do baseball shows and basketball shows and, and that kind of stuff. And so he was, he was one of the first. Um, so I've known Adam for a long time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Adam and Adam being a dickhead, he actually sent in one of our listener cues. Oh, Have you yeah. considered being smarter? Uh, is that an inside joke or is it, I feel like that was maybe a, a Twitter conversation. I've seen that in a Twitter conversation. Is that an inside joke? What, what am I missing here? I, and, and, have not... you, and I also answer the question. Have you considered <laughs> being smarter? Yeah. Have I? Um, so I did answer Adam and I said, uh, no, I haven't. And not even okay. if there's a fire, I will not consider being smarter because um, things have been going, things have been going okay for me with my, like mediocre IQ level. So I'm, I'm not going to like, if I stick, get too sick like, with what works. Yeah, exactly. Why would I, why would I try to become smarter and uh, like possibly make things worse? I see a lot of smart people that do a lot of stupid shit. Uh, so let, let me just stay in my middle lane, yep. you know? But uh, no, not an not an inside joke. Other than um, what I love about Adam is, well, two things is one, we do nothing but give each other shit on the internet. Like if you go on Twitter and if you I just noticed. like search our our two usernames, it's nothing but sarcastic. Literal. If you don't know us and you don't know that we're friends, you'll be like these two guys fucking hate each other. Yeah. Like the, why are they so mean to each other all the time? But like that's how I grew up. That's where I come from. That's what you do. Like I. I don't know how to act any other way. Like my best friends, it was like, if one of them texts me right now, he'd be like, what's up dickhead or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it would, we would like berate each other. And like, you go to a family, like a like family Easter or family Thanksgiving or whatever for me. That's what I tell people. I think I said this on one of the shows with Blender um, a, a long time ago, but it was like, most people on Twitter couldn't even make it through my family Thanksgiving because like, you slip up or like, yeah, it, it, they'll like find my tweets or like my Instagram posts. Oh, guess what? You posted a picture. You look like an idiot on Instagram. The whole room is going to roast me because that's just what we, that's just how we do. And, and Adam operates in a, in a very same way. We, yep. we also have like constant, you know, DMS and stuff going on. And I think we both get a good chuckle out of how much people think that we're like assholes and, and, uh, and some of it's people reply like, that it's very serious and like i don't really don't post anything serious on twitter but the the, the people take everything serious that's really funny are, are you from st louis 
born and raised. Yeah, right okay. outside of St. Louis. Yeah, I was saying that doesn't really seem like a, a St. Louis family to me trait. The uh, everybody being assholes, but I guess it exists kind of everywhere in the country, probably <laughs> to some extent. Maybe maybe not as much in the South. I don't know. They they seem very nice generally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but most parts of the country probably probably parts of the south too um right. let me take a minute away from this conversation with eric by to tell you about our sponsor noos advantage noos advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy dfs with player props contests it's 100 percent peer-to-peer to help level the playing field with over 500 player props offered all new users get a 25 dollars deposit bonus with promo code awesome that's a w e s e m o noos advantage has mass entry capability with big prize pools Beat your friends, not the house. Use our NoHost Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the App Store or play on nohostadvantage.com. All right, uh, back to your background. So, so just uh, extending it, we, we've talked about how you got involved in DFS and when. What about best ball? When, when did you start getting involved? Because I've only been doing best ball for two years now. I know it existed before that, but to me it was, I had like heard about it, but it was like kind of this fringe thing that I didn't really have a ton of interest in. I was like, I'm, I'm going to stay in my lane. I enjoy what I'm doing with DFS and season long. Why am I right. going to get involved in best ball? And then, of course, I started playing two years ago, and now I'm completely hooked. Uh, how about you? How, how long have you been doing it, uh, and, and what got you involved? Yeah, it's one of those that's this perfect kind of um, commodulation of all these, of all my different interests, and so, and all my different hatreds. Like, the I like season long fantasy. I, I despise showing up on Sunday mornings and having to like set a lineup. I despise yep. when someone like I've, I've literally yesterday at a home league buddy, like, Hey, what do you want for this? This, you know, my longest running, like season long dynasty league. It's been, since I was like 15, same guys for the most part, you know? So it's like, I actually do take it fairly serious, but I'm like, it's may. And the dude's like, Hey, what do you want to trade for this guy? Like that is not of any interest to me. Right. And that's part of the DFS thing that has, has come about. And best ball created this perfect uh, middle ground between I can do the drafts and those are really fun. I don't care who you are. Honestly, you do the draft and it, I think it's, it's like one of the most fun experiences, just like building a DFS team. Honestly, the sweat is terrible. Uh, no, like people will tell you that the it's sweat fun. of the, building, you mean, or no, the, the, the sweat, sweat during the, the season, the sweat of, of, of DFS is terrible, right? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. I finish my teams on Sunday morning and like sit down and I'm just like, you know, you like, this is miserable. I just faded, you know, 70% on Alexander Madison. Uh, Dalvin Cook is out. Like this sucks. Like the actual experience of, of the teams is terrible, but the building I enjoy. I'm like this, this secondary correlation and this guy's too high owned and here's a leverage play, whatever. And that's kind of where best ball comes in is like, I get all the best things about this sport that I really enjoy this game that I really enjoy, but I don't have to do any of the stuff I don't want to do. And now there's this insane upside, right? Like, you know, you get a lot of people that are like, why would you invest your money into something that's going to sit there and you're not going to get paid out for months. And I, I have no really um, issues with that, that line of thinking, but now we've reached this, this point in this space where there's multiple sites offering multiple and like i mean underdog has a 10 million dollar tournament this this year you know DraftKings has a bunch as as something like seven million total dollars up for grabs on DraftKings, and everybody that drafts on DraftKings is terrible so it's like you know it it, it is this culmination of all these things that i think uh just play to how i approach like these strategy games and it was it started with to answer your question it started with draft 
Um, you remember the the website Draft, which is actually I never uh, played it, but I'm familiar. Jeremy Levine and crew who found, who also founded Underdog, um, founded Draft. They sold to well to, to FanDuel slash Patty Power when uh, FanDuel sold, and uh, they squashed it. They basically just you know they bought yep. this and uh, actually talked to to Nick Rudman from Underdog yesterday, and it actually made a lot more sense when he talked about it. That, I watched um, that. He was a he was a part of the draft team when they sold and Patty power was coming in and it was just like, they were just trying to acquire you know, gambling customers. The FanDuel acquisition was just trying to break into the U S gambling market. And so the fact that they had spent a few million bucks acquiring draft, it sounds bad to us. Like, Oh my God, FanDuel, those idiots, how could they not keep the best ball thing going? And Patty power was just like, we don't give a shit about that. We, we, we paid for X customers. Like really that's all they did was yep. pay for X, X, you know, emails, <laughs> basically people's emails. That's what they paid for. And so um, it does, it does make a little more sense when someone like that talks about it, but that got me hooked the draft days. And then um, it kind of disappeared after draft 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 sold and then underdog came back. And what um, actually one of my favorite stories is I love the NFL. Everybody loves NFL is king and all of that. But what really got me hooked and bullish on the space and why I've eventually gotten into this content space and launching a website and a community and all of that is NBA playoff best ball tournaments. And I started playing them for the first time. Underdog launched it two years ago or whatever it was. I just hopped in a couple drafts, probably drafted a hor similar to our original conversation about my first FanDuel teams, probably drafted horrible teams. But you start thinking about it and the, all the strategy. And it's like, so I have to draft a team that has to score the most points against these people that I draft against. But then every round thereafter, I have to keep scoring the most points. But like if my team loses. Yeah, some teams round, are dropping second, off. Right. I don't get to, it's not like regular season long where like, you know, he, he, oh, he didn't score a lot of points in week two. He gets to suit up for week three. It's like, if the Sixers lose, we, they, they, I don't get Joel Embiid in the next yeah. round, you know? So all these different strategy elements and kind of roster construction elements, like that's the part of all these games, DFS, everything that I love is like figuring out these different strategies. And that it was like a light bulb went off where I was like, there's so much opportunity in this space, way more than like, I know that these NFL contests for the regular season are huge. And uh, trust me, I'm happy about that, but it's all these different, like they just launched the PGA contest with like just the majors. The strategy around that was fascinating. The playoff yeah. contest, really interesting. And so there's so many angles to these games that it just, I was just like, I, like I said, it was like a light bulb that I was just like, holy shit, there's, this thing is going to blow up. And, yeah. and so that was the bet I made basically um, from there forward. So I, I've never played NBA playoff best ball. Is it at least easier than NFL because there is no bye week they have to deal with? Because NFL, you kind of have to figure out who's yeah. going to be in the Super Bowl. And also you have to get through week one. And oftentimes the, the teams that you think are going to go to the Super Bowl have a bye week in week one. So it's, it's kind yeah. of complicated in that sense. But then I guess NBA, you're dealing with length of series. So like you want to have a seven game series in, in each round. So uh, is it is it, it sounds like it's maybe just as complicated just because of the just because of the series length. What, what is your take on that? I think more so. I think really? more so complicated because of the series length. Okay. So because you have, let's say, um, this year was a little weird in both sports where the, the, you know, the Titans and the Packers got buys in the, in the NFL. And they were like, not necessarily the two strongest teams. That's certainly true. not the, certainly not the Titans. Yeah. Um, 
And then in the NBA, you know, like God bless the heat. I'm a heat fan, but um, not your traditional number one seed, right? Not let 72 win, you know, bulls or whatever in the, in the one seed, but you'll get sons Pels, right? Where it's like, I want sons because they're one of the favorites to win the championship, but like, can I take Devin Booker in the first round of this draft when like, so like, th that's the thing is that the first round will be like Giannis, <laughs> yep. Luca, Jokic, you know, all the best fantasy players. And then you're like, well, I'm taking a lesser player because he's projected to go to the championship. How do I weigh those different things? And so yeah. I, the, the, the fun element of figuring out. So like, I, I got a little lucky, like this year was the Celtics were like my stand. It nice. was like, I think the Celtics are the most undervalued team in these drafts, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to smash all the Celtics. But like that also could have, you know, if they lose to the Nets in the first round, that blows up in my face. I make zero dollars, you know, but that's the fun strategy element of it is figuring out those little nuances to you. Cause you, you, I mean, also like the Celtics were my stand and they swept the Nets in the first round. That could have yeah. been, I could have been right but still catastrophically wrong just because they had a sweep. Yeah. Um, so that just all that, it also, it makes it somewhat unsolvable as a game yeah. and kind of like, kind of like MLB DFS basically, right? Like, you know, who knows? Clayton Kershaw could give up 10 runs in a, in, True. in, in, in a game and just like the Celtics could win the title, but they could have do three straight sweeps before they get there. Like you're never going to get Celtics, you know, Jason Tatum, I won't, you can't have him in the final round if they sweep everybody. So like, you can only be so right, yeah. but you also can't be wrong. So anyway, that I, I love those little strategy games. And I think that's what best ball brings. That is really fun about um, the whole fantasy space. And yeah. um, that's what brought me into DFS too, is those little strategy elements that don't exist elsewhere. I built so many Rams, Bengals, playoff best ball stacks I, I stacked those teams together a ton because and it didn't seem like that many people were doing it so i was like i'm yeah. gonna have this huge edge and then of course none of my teams made it to the final so it <laughs> right. didn't matter at all so yeah it, it really is a it's a complicated Perfect. really interesting game uh not something that i've actually had a ton of success at so far in best ball um but but i do enjoy it. i was actually, I, I was gonna ask you to to kind of sell me on best ball because of you mm -hmm. brought up some of some of the things that people uh negative things people say is you're, you're tying up your money for a long period of time uh it's also like Take, doing 150 best ball, creating 150 best ball lineups takes all summer, right? Or, yeah. or at least for me, it's the way I play. It takes me a long time to do 150 drafts. And really, you're just making one GPP set. So like, you, you can do that on, on an NFL Sunday in a couple hours. And, and instead, you're doing it over the entire summer. Um, but uh, you, you kind of answer the question to some extent uh, that it, you know, it's just more fun. I mean, it, it's... I, the last episode you did with Blender on Theory of DFS was called Life EV, and and maybe it's a it's a life EV decision. It's a, it's a fun thing. Uh, did you want to expound expound on that at all, though, uh, on selling people on Best Ball, or I mean, you you've kind of already done it, but uh, if you have anything else you want to say, for sure. Um, that's so funny that you bring up the Life EV. That's a that's also how I knew it was a sign that I was getting older. <laughs> that those are the things that I start to really I start to really value, and maybe I'm just lucky to be in a place where I can value that over like. <laughs> whatever how much money's in my bank account but um i do i do believe in that like wholeheartedly that some of the things i want to spend my time on over this summer it also helps side quick side tangent that the time when you would be spending 
drafting, say, best ball teams for the big tournaments, right? If you don't want to play MLB best ball, look, trust me, I get it. If you don't want to play PGA best ball, whatever, I get it. But right now, like, trust me, I know I played DFS for a long time. You're not spending that much time on your MLB best ball team during the day. Like, give me, you know, give me my first run and then give me my starting lineups and like, you know, give yeah. me the weather. It's pretty and simple. Like, it's really not that complex. And so we're in this dead period. It's, it's, it's another reason that I'm really bullish on the spaces. It lies, the, the main part of best ball, the best ball year lies from May to September, where everything else is kind of dead, right? Obviously, football hasn't started yet because we're drafting yep. football teams. And then there's really just baseball, which God bless baseball, but it gets worse and worse <laughs> by, the, by the year. And yep. so you just have this kind of dead time. And, the, and like I said, if you don't enjoy it, like if you don't enjoy drafting a team, it's not going to be for you. Yeah. Point blank, point blank, period. But I think if you're like, I mean, if you're listening to this, you are assuredly uh, a plus EV like gambler compared to the average person, like whether it's yeah. sports betting or DFS. You're putting or, in the effort. Yeah. Like there's no way that you're listening to this and you're not like uh, at least competent at at all these, anything really in this whole space that we're talking about. And best ball is the new frontier where mm -hmm. like, if you come, if like, if you come from like where you and I come from, um, or like if we talked to, I remember when I had a conversation with Blender about uh, best ball, he was like, I, we did the typical, the typical Blender where I sat silent for a while <laughs> and he, and he, and he taught, he was like, tell me if I'm wrong. And here's, here's what I believe about best ball. Right. And he went on for whatever. And I went and took a piss while he was talking and, you know, took a break. But seriously, he like kind of described like, is this, is this not right? Is like, this is how I should do it. And I was like, yeah, but nobody does it because the market, like think to DFS 10, we were just talking about DFS 10 years ago. Think back then how it was. I just talked to you about how God awful I was. Yeah. We just talked about how we were losing players and now we've been able to find some success, but that that's where we are now yeah. in best ball. Nobody has it figured out. And even greater than that, like if you're trying to find an edge, you can't find like in DFS, we get what, how many baseball slates a year, 300 or more uh, baseball slates a year. Because it's every day and some, most of the time, multiple slates a day. Uh, DF, uh, best ball is one, basically, per year. And yeah. so you can't, you can't go back and look at, like, historical data, right? I can't go study Awesomo's lineups for years yeah. and figure out, like, okay, this is what the best people are doing. You just can't do it because there's only one slate a year. Yeah. And so if you're good at kind of figuring out the edges, like we were talking about with the like top stacks tool and all that kind of stuff, right? There, that, that all those nuances exist in best ball too. Certain players that should not be seventh round picks get all the way steamed up to seventh round picks because for whatever reason, everybody loved LaVisca Chenault last year. He became the guy that everybody loved. Yep. Why? No one really knows why. Like, you know, that's just, he just, he was the popular trendy pick the winner of best ball mania two for a million dollars on underdog last year, completely faded him was like this. Did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Completely faded him. This was the steam, right? This was the chalk stack that I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, it, they're over owned, but there's all of these elements in best ball too, except the market is horrible <laughs> at playing this game 
right now. I'm not saying I've conquered it either because I certainly haven't. But I think if you come from the background that we did, you can find the different angles that are going to make you wildly plus EV in this game. And just just correlating your lineups, like it shocks me how few teams do correlate their quarterback with wide receivers. Uh, With that said, I yesterday did my first draft just because I knew we were going to be talking today. And I wanted to kind of like get the, the brain going a little bit. I did my first draft and I took Lamar Jackson at like 48. Uh, expecting to take Rondell Moore. Is it not Rondell Moore? Uh, who was I? Bateman. Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. Yeah, Rashad Bateman uh, with my next pick. And of course, the one pick after I took Lamar Jackson, the next guy took Bateman, uh, like 15 picks earlier, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then, right. and then a little bit later, I. So then, uh, my next turn comes around. Uh, not, not my next pick, but a few later, I decided to take Jalen Hurts, and I see Devonte Smith. I see Jalen Hurts, Devonte Smith. I could take yep. both of them just slightly earlier than their ADP, and I'll at least get one stack going. I take Jalen Hurts. The very next pick, the guy takes Devonte Smith, and I was tilted immediately. R- reminded, reminded me how tilted <laughs> I get doing these best ball drafts. Are you the same way? Do, do you get tilted, uh, and do you have a nemesis in best ball? Oh. Oh, great question. The the tilt thing is really funny because I've done so many drafts now that I actually think that's one of the elements um, that like you specifically will eventually like develop that part of it. Just like doesn't he, you don't even flinch. Like, you know, so-and-so took took my stack. Well, guess what? Okay, who who's available later in the draft that I yep. can complete that that stack? Like um, I did a I did a show recently on basically this subject that we're talking about that was like, how do you become a good drafter, right? Everybody talks about like roster construction and, you know, should I draft a running back and, a, you know, zero running back and all these stupid strategies, which like, trust me, I understand. I employ all of that. I get it. But like, and, and everybody has their favorite players, but like the real skill is when you encounter exactly what, what you just did, right? I get 150 bullets and only 150 bullets because it's just like DFS, the legality around how many entries you can have in one contest. So how do I make, how do I make sure that this team is not, I didn't just like punt this $25, right? And it's by still making sure I find that correlation later. and yep. still making sure I, I draft a good team. And that takes a certain level of skill, just like, building a good DFS team does, right? You, you, you're you building a 150 set in DFS. You don't want to just punt off the last, like don't make 150 just to make 150 and right. punt off, you know, those last ones. It's the same thing with best ball. I don't want to punt those teams, but it's a, a different way you might be punting them off. But like who is available for me with every, if, if Lamar teams, if Lamar stacks, right? I didn't get Mark Andrews. I didn't get Rashad Bateman how can I make this Lamar team still a plus EV team, right? right. Knowing that is a skill and um, those kinds of things, that, that's uh, a lot of the fun parts of best ball right now, for sure. And I, Nemesis, Nemesis, that is a, that is, so before last year, I would have said, if anyone listens and knows who Peter Overzet is, right. um, he is a, a, a best ball content creator and influencer. He's also a very good friend. And so when I, I I'm joking when I say um, nemesis, but uh, we think very similarly in how we approach the game. So like, those are the guys I want to beat the people that like, you know, like if, if you love, it's like, 
I'm a noted like anti running back guy. I'm a, I'm very, uh, you know, I joke a lot about yeah. not drafting running backs and such. You catch a lot of flack for that. <laughs> oh yeah. The people love their running backs. So when you shit on running backs, like uh, even this morning, I made fun of Zeke and like, those, I just don't get the engagement on the anti running back tweets. Like you get on, on something else, but you know, like the people that think like you and you think are like just as good as you and as smart as you and stuff. I though like I want to beat those I want to beat those people you know like I um very weird I didn't think this was going to come up in this but I'm big into F1 Formula One and the yes. the way that Formula One is set up is that there's 20 drivers but there's only 10 teams so every team has two drivers so like they're technically a team right the teams get rewarded for the team total points but also. Like if you and I are on the same team, we both drive for say Mercedes or Red Bull or something like that. We're kind of like, like you're my biggest nemesis because mm -hmm. I, we're both driving in the same car, right? We're like, you know, if you're beating me, you're probably just better than me, right? And so that's how I kind of view the best ball spaces. I love the joke about the running back thing and make fun of the running back people. But the other people that um, think similarly to how I do, like Peter does, like uh, Pat Corrine from, from NBC Sports, like Ben Gretsch, those guys that think similarly to how I do, like I want to beat those guys. It's funny, it's funny you give that F1 example because I've watched like the, the first couple episodes of uh, the F1 series on Netflix. Yeah. And in one of those first episodes, teammates crash and it was clear like they were yes. pissed off at each other. And one of them like <laughs> intentionally crashes into the other. It's like, what is going on here? I, I did not realize the dynamic of the, them kind of, you've kind of been a nemesis uh, with your teammates, but that, that makes sense. Gives a, a little bit added context there. Um, I enjoyed your, the video you did with uh, yesterday with... Uh, Coakley and Pete Overzet comes in at the end. Oh. I guess you were you weren't actually in the video, but it was a I believe it was no. a Spike Week video uh, where Peter Overzet comes in and slams with the chair. That was a an entertaining video. Um, I do believe Pete that is, I Pete, Pete is great. Rob Coakley, who works for us, is awesome, and uh, we're 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 embracing kind of the newness of best ball with a lot of kind of crazy funny marketing trying to have trying to have some fun with it so if you haven't seen that video i actually do think i enjoyed it i was I not involved it was fun but there was people getting stone cold stunnered and uh hit with chairs and stuff so if you come from maybe our generation with it like some of the wrestling back in the day you'll enjoy that one go check out spike week on twitter Actually, I'm not sure that I was familiar. I, I'm, I've heard the name Rob Coakley, but I was not really familiar with him before yesterday. He also sent in a listener question, uh, which is, how is it working with a man as handsome and talented as Rob Coakley? Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Well, oh my God. I Since he came believe, up, might as well I can't, throw that I in can't believe he, yeah, I can't believe he, he 
got airtime on here. That's Sorry. just that's worse than that's worse than us talking about positive things about Blender. Rob, I, I I will since I'm on this positive train today. A, I'm not gonna discuss the handsomeness because he's never. Anytime I do a show with him, he's not the most handsome guy on the on the stream. So we'll disregard that part. But Rob is an incredible um, person that I've had to work with. Like, there's something about. I'm actually interested how you kind of feel about this. You know, you're still, you were kind of like me in that we weren't like the very early days of DFS in terms of both our success and in the content space. Yeah. And like, I, and, and I don't have a ton of followers. I'm not some, you know, like I said, I'm not CSU Ram. I'm not Bales. I'm not any of those guys. Um, but I love the people like like Rob that are willing to, just go for it and like like he's just busting his ass because he believes in this thing and and he's really passionate about the best ball space and the community and stuff that we're building like i don't have to tell that dude shit he like th that video do you want to know how much planning we did zero he just sent it wow. to me that's awesome. like he yeah and so like the you run into good people like that in um in all walks of life for sure but i think in this space there's so many people that want to be involved in dfs in best ball in in season long or whatever that if um you know if you really try hard enough you can find people that are willing i mean host the podcast like yours we, i think we were talking before before this where i was like this is the kind of content i want to listen to not yeah. with me i'm not i'm not going to listen to myself <laughs> but uh, but listening to the people that you have on this yeah. is the content I want to listen to. Um, and so all that fun stuff about the space, I think is awesome. And Rob's a, Rob's a shining example of what is, what is great about this whole space that we work in. That's, that's the only downside to being Blender's recurring guest on the Theory of DFS is I really enjoy listening to the Theory of DFS. And now yeah. I'm the guy who's on there. So I'm like, I don't really <laughs> right. want to listen to myself every week. Uh, so that's that's the only, I, I enjoy doing it though. It's, it's a fun time with Blender. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's the downside is I want to hear what other people have to say. I don't want to listen to myself. Um, so yeah, I do. A, um, you kind of teased it earlier. I, I, I do a show on Wednesdays called Best Ball Bros. Uh, so we stole the theme. I'm very nostalgic in how I market all of this. You can tell I'm getting old. The so we're doing like this, <laughs> we're doing this um, best ball royal rumble, which is what that video you talked about okay. yesterday that that Rob that Rob put together. We're bringing in a bunch of people from around the industry um, that are we're going to do a draft. We bought a belt, which uh, that's actually the first. I don't I don't think anybody's known that. So there's a. We, we, we literally brought like a really expensive, like old school, like WCW belt and stuff uh, where we're going to have fun with, you know, like, let's get all the fun people from around the space in and let's just have some fun with the draft. And we'll probably do some punishments, you know, for people that finish last and all that kind of stuff. Um, but those, like all of that kind of stuff is, is, is the fun. I do, like I said, I do a show on Wednesdays that is, it's like video game-esque themed. It looks like Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers. But I bring in, kind of like you're doing, people from around the space. I've had uh, multiple people from Underdog Fantasy. I've had Peter Overzet on, Rich Rebar from Sharp Football. Like tons of, and like, it's not just, it's kind of you what we're Liam doing here. On, right? Liam, yep, Liam, Liam, who won, yep. yep, who won Best Ball Mania. Two different, um, actually had uh, two different million-dollar winners last year on the show, Chess Liam, and then Tony Castro, who... Ironically enough, 
the so DraftKings had a Millie Maker for best ball last year, and the person who won it, this is no shit. We went to the same high school. He we're the same okay. age. We're the, we're the, we're, we graduated in the same class together. We went to the same high school, a small town called Mascuda, Illinois. Our graduating class was about a thousand kids. The town doesn't even have 10,000 people in it. And I start this best ball project. Here's how sick the fantasy gods are. They're like, oh, you're starting this fantasy project in the space. You're grinding your nuts off, you know, doing content and stuff. We're going to make this ironic situation in one of your, uh, high school, you know, buddies is going to win a million dollars. That's really you're funny. you're just going to talk about it and not you know not make all that kind of money. He's going to win a million dollars from. But he was we literally played high school football together. He was an like I played quarterback. He was an he was one of my offensive linemen. The smallest world, craziest That's scenario really ever. Cool. Uh, he, uh, but yeah, he, he, you know what his avatar was when he won that million on, on DraftKings? Was it awesome? It was an awesome avatar. We, I, I know him as Felix. You keep calling him Tony. I guess that's because you know him uh, for, from correct. high school. I was, his, okay. an, his real name is Anthony Felix Castro. He goes, okay. but he, it's very weird. It's a long story. He'll have to t- he'll have to tell you guys since you guys. You uh, know, hopefully, th- I'll have him on this show sometime. I yeah, talked to him. I, I actually He's met great. him at uh, at the tournament of champions at the last. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, met, I met Felix very briefly. I didn't talk to him very long, but seemed like a really nice guy. He's obviously a smart guy. That uh, that's really funny that you guys went to the same high school and you're kind of. I mean, you're a thought leader in best ball, and he's of course taking down a million bucks. Uh, so that must have been fun and maybe arguably frustrating too. I don't I don't know both. Uh, both, yeah, for sure. Definitely both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we, we're running up on the, the amount of time that you had for You're us good. today. Okay. If you got more questions, let's do more questions. All right. That, I'm open. Here. I, I, okay, awesome. Because I, I had a few questions that I wanted to ask, and then I also have uh, still a handful of listener questions left. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, you know, some, some kind of quick hitters. Do you believe that there is an optimal time to draft in best ball? Oh, uh, this one's a hot, you better be careful with this one. This one's a hotly debated That's why subject. I'm letting you answer. I'm not answering. Yeah. <laughs> You better be careful. Uh, I've already answered this a million times and no one ever likes my question or my, my answer, but um, it, w- what has become now cliche. It's so funny. Cause we're like two years into best ball and all these, these like strategic questions become like memes, like, like really quickly become like memes. But what I- I'll brag on myself a little bit. Two years ago, we started doing best ball content at Roto grinders. And I actually wrote an article about what I called a barbell approach to, to drafting that was basically there's there's basically two things we can capitalize on from a drafting draft timing perspective and it is uncertainty and it is certainty information right and during the middle part of the summer we don't have we don't gain any certainty and we don't uh, uh we don't you know so we don't gain any information we have the same amount of uncertainty in say june as we have now as we had at the beginning of May, but the market has gotten more efficient, right? Because there's yeah. been, I mean, there's like been, there's been like 40,000 entrants already into best ball mania three on underdog. So like all the sharks have all come in and already kind of planted their flags on guys. Guys have risen up rounds and rounds and rounds um, the most inefficiently priced players. And so you're going to reach June and you don't can't, there's no training camp. There's no nothing. You don't have any more information than you had on May 2nd when the contest opened, but you're drafting in, you're drafting still against the best players and you're drafting in a way more efficient market. And so my thesis is you draft early when the market is not very efficient. And we're all like, we're all figuring this out. 
where should guys be drafted or whatever, and then draft at the end. Wait, let camp play out, let all this stuff play out, and then draft when you have the most information. Because there, there's guys that are getting drafted right now that are going to get cut from their teams. Yeah. And, and we don't know any better right now, but in August and September, we will know better. So, it, like I said, it's like a barbell. In the middle, I'm, I'm trying not to draft. Obviously, I'm doing content, so it's a little different. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to draft very much in you know June, July, and doing May, August, September, basically. Okay. That, yeah, that, I, I like that. Uh, that's a good answer. Uh, so, so right now, you still think it's a good time. We're still early enough that the information yeah. isn't that great. Good, because I, I, I still feel like I punted the one team that I'm I've done still already. drafting. Yeah, I'm still yeah. drafting, so you're fine. All right, good, good. Um, all right, slow drafts or fast drafts or, or both? Oh, fast. 100% fast. Wow. Okay. Um, another, another hot button issue. You're hitting all these hot button issues yeah. from within the, it's like you, it's like you're a, the, you're a thought leader in the best ball species. Try, space. try you, my best. Yeah. You know, all, <laughs> you know, all the, the, the issues, but um, couple, couple things to this. And my thoughts have evolved on this as well over, over time. One is uh, the most important thing is you need to know yourself. Um, it's kind of like the, the, I actually would equate it fairly similarly to uh, running 150, being a max entry guy in TFS versus being, you know, a single entry or three entry max type guy. You need to know what is best for you. What, mm -hmm. what, what does your mind work better towards? And like, I have never in DFS been able to be good at 150 maxing. Trust me, I've tried because like people have told me, you know, the blenders of the world have told me tons of people like, oh, the soft, go where the softest competition is and their argument makes total sense to me, yeah. but I'm just, it's just not, it's just not the best for me. And I figured that out. It's taken, you know, a lot. I've taken my lumps, uh, uh, doing so, but the same thing with fast and slow drafts is you need to know, maybe you're not a good fast drafter. Right. Some of the things we talked Some about are with quick like, on their feet. Yeah. If you're not, that's totally fine. Like then do the slow drafts or if you don't have time to be on the clock, you know, to have your phone up or your, your laptop up for 45 minutes at a time, do the slow drafts. For me personally, I love, I, I am one of my skills, I think is, is like you said, kind of thinking on my feet and always being able to adapt to whatever's happening, happening in the draft. And one of my flaws is if I get into the slow drafts, like let's say instead of doing 20 fast drafts over a few weeks, I just hop into 20 slow drafts and I'm like, I'll let these play out right over yep. several weeks because everybody gets eight hours to pick in a slow draft. I will, it will, it will ruin my mental health yep. during this because like I'll make a pick and then I'll be like, okay, scroll really quick and let me see shit. You know, I'm going to be on the clock in an hour in this one and two hours in this one, yeah. whatever. And, or I just made a pick in that one. And then I'm thinking, now I'm thinking about like, okay, what's my next pick going to be? What's this? Maybe somebody sniped me, like you said, right? Yep. I took Lamar and then somebody snipes me on the stack with him. Now I'm thinking about it at that time, as opposed to it being self-contained to a small period of time. Yeah. But um, all that is just, I think, knowing yourself. And so I'm much more of a fast draft guy, but I think both work. Um, it's just all about understanding what works best for you. Yeah. Uh I like that answer. Yeah, I, I was totally a fast draft guy until I heard Alex mention on a pod. He was like, oh, yeah, I just do several slow drafts at a time. And I was like, oh, yeah, if I can do a bunch at a time, then that'll work too. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely – Well, he's a robot. It doesn't count. He is it a robot. Count. It doesn't count, yeah. Uh, he doesn't I have emotions. 
he doesn't <laughs> get triggered true. he doesn't get you know, mental health what is that he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't get yeah. yeah he doesn't care i'm on the <laughs> clock who cares i'm a robot yeah right you also get frustrated I, at least i do i get frustrated in the in the slow drafts with people who take the full eight hours because like you can take the full eight hours but then there are people and it is i i see that there is a little bit of an edge there because like there was at least i can't remember who was but there was a time last summer where uh some running back got hurt like overnight and then and, you know, the clock stops over overnight cam makers. and then cam makers mm -hmm. yeah and then all of those people who wait the full eight hours were more likely to benefit because they take their time and they wait for the most amount of news. At least that's that's the reason that I give for them doing it. If they're sharp, that's the reason they do it. It might just be because they let it let it run, you know, do it automatically. But uh, it, it's frustrating when you're, you know, even though you have the full eight hours, most of us don't take the full eight hours. But uh, right, yeah, I, I do I do a mix of both still. But I can see uh, I can see why. There's probably there probably is more edge in slow drafts if you are quick on your feet. That is probably an advantage because some people aren't able to adjust as quickly. Uh, which of course yesterday I, as I said, I I was not able to adjust very well. <laughs> I, I drafted a really bad team, not really in practice yet. Anyway, uh, how how closely do you track your best ball teams throughout the season? Because for me, I know that I like I draft them all. I love doing it. And for the beginning of the year, uh, at least last year, I didn't pay attention at all until it got close to. Uh, playoff time until it got close to the end where it's like okay now i now i can start tracking but like in the beginning it was it's just too it's difficult for me to track are you closely tracking all of your best ball teams throughout the year really really funny that you asked that because um i didn't uh and historically have not tracked them very closely but i actually don't think it's because um i don't want to it's because there was no way for me to do so um in a way that like i actually understood them at all Right. Like yeah. you can look after week one and see. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, my, favorite, uh, my favorite example of this was, I think, two years ago. Um, oh, shit. Who was the second or third string Rams running back two years ago? I'm going to screw it was up. Was it Daryl Henderson? No, not so. It was, it, before Daryl Henderson, it was uh, their god awful um, veteran run. Anyway, I was drafting a terrible player. We probably don't even need to bring the name up because it's going to make me look really bad. That I was drafting a bunch of this guy, 
but backup Rams running back, he gets like two, he scores like two touchdowns in, in week one. He's like a 17th or 18th round pick. Right. And so like, you know, I have a million percent of this guy. So you go look after week one and your teams look awesome. Right. But that's not necessarily an indicator on how your, your season is going even after several weeks. And so, um, like I said, it's funny that you bring this up because that is a, is a huge passion project, a huge priority um, that we're working on at Spike Week is a way to sweat your teams and enjoy your teams during the season. Like, I don't, you, you shouldn't have to pull up the underdog app and like, just like scroll through a hundred, you know, there are people out there drafting thousands of teams. Yeah. Like that there's no way to do that on, on the underdog app and like, and like sweat them and understand them. And so that's a, we're in the midst of finishing up a couple of the, honestly, the first like tools in the, in the best ball space. And then our next project is a, a tool that allows you to like more effectively sweat your teams and like in an enjoyable experience, right? Like I want to go see like Cam Akers scored three touchdowns this week. Is that good for me? Is that bad for me? Show me, like, show me in a way that I don't have to like score. Like, I mean, you know, like I don't have to scroll through all my underdog teams. I want to, I want to be able to uh, do that in a more efficient manner. And so that's a priority for me. Um, And it's funny that you bring that up because those are the little things that like, I'm really excited about and passionate about in the whole space is like solving those problems that like we all have. Cause your question is spot on. It sucks. Yeah. The answer, the, the answer to your question is like, I would love to sweat my teams, but it's a miserable experience. So yeah. let's solve that problem. Yeah. So it sounds like it'll work with underdog. Will it also integrate with DraftKings at all? Yep. Okay. We are, in, we are already way worse. Oh underdog, you can somewhat at least sweat your teams. <laughs> DraftKings is a pain in the ass. Try and sweat your best ball teams. And it balances back and forth between like your live and your history and your, I, I actually yeah. have no idea. I don't understand the rhyme or reason of how everything moves around on DraftKings. It's miserable, but we, uh, as of right now, there's basically three, well, there, there's four best ball platforms, three that we're integrating and it is underdog DraftKings and drafters. So, um, if you draft on any of those sites, uh, we'll be able to, uh, uh, incorporate both the tools that we're building right now, which are, are kind of like exposure-esque tools, and then um, sweat, you know, be able to sweat your teams better. The, those are the sites we're focused on right now. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Who knows? Yahoo, FanDuel. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what's coming in this space. I can't predict. I didn't predict a $10 million tournament, so I can't predict what yeah. the hell is going to happen next. That's pretty awesome. It was Malcolm Brown, by the way, who scored Mal- the thank you. for you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So you're listening to a guy uh, who who drafted Malcolm Brown a lot in best ball. So take take his advice for what it's worth. No, Please, I'm, no. I'm kidding. Cut that out. Cut that. Cut that. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Eric Bimefor to remind you to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Uh, I think that's all of the real questions that I wanted to get to. So let's just get to some listener questions now. Yeah, I think I, I pretty much covered all of my questions. All right. Uh, Mr. Gadget Floor asks, how many wide receivers plus tight ends is too many to stack with your quarterback in best ball? And all that, is that is that a different question for you on DraftKings versus Underdog? Because on DraftKings, you typically have 20 players on your team. Uh, and on, on underdog, it's 18 in, in the best ball mania, yep. at least. 
Yep. Uh, this is a great question. This is actually one I'm fairly passionate about. And also my passion comes from the, uh, the DFS side of things. I think, um, but uh, one of the actual biggest mistakes people are making in best ball is over stacking. Okay. And so I will take Travis Kelsey in the first round. And then I take Patrick Mahomes in the third or fourth round. And then I take Juju Smith-Schuster in the fifth round. And then I take, you know, and then I take Ronald Jones and then I take McCall Hardman. And, and, and next thing, you know, out of my 18 man, out of my 18 man, oh, this is a, this is a dog show. Yeah, this, this is a dog show. This is how, oh, this I, just, how I know where I'm yeah. supposed to be. Every show I ever do, my dogs bark. So, yeah. And they are, they are completely passed the hell out. So this is really funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, je- I, 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 I'm jealous of anyone else that can have a show without their dogs barking. This is actually so the first is, time I think that he's barked during the show. Wow. Well, it's because he knows that over here they're yeah. not barking and they literally bark. They <laughs> <laughs> he can sense it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Literally bark on on every single show. So, um, what were we talking about before? You're I saying that you think that people over overstack on best ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Think that, yeah. Clearly, I'm a dog enthusiast. The, once the dog noise came in, like the yeah. whole brain shut off. But <laughs> um, I really believe, like, fairly passionately that 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 people like, and that's one of the big edges. Like, if you come from the DFS side of things, like. You would never draft a team of 18 players and draft like six dudes from one team. True. Like you're just, we're drawing two things. Like these contests, like the underdog best ball mania three is like half a million people. The, the DraftKings Millie maker is almost 900,000 people. You have to hit the nuts basically. Right. So like, if I'm going to hit the nuts, I understand that there's diminishing returns on every player I draft on said team. There are obviously elements that are different in best ball in terms of, you know, if I have um, multiple pass catchers from one team, maybe there's a one, right? There's a ping pong effect, right? Jamar Chase has a big game one week. T Higgins has a big game one week. I, that helps me get to the finals or whatever, mm-hmm. but overstacking is a, is a huge issue and people will latch on way too many guys to, to stacks. Is that, that's actually one of my, I try not to have too many firm, like rigid rules. That's one of my feel really passionate about. And also where it comes from DFS is I would rather, instead of, let's say I did take Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Now just give me like Marquez Valdez Scantling, MVS, you know, in the 11th round or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really big on week 17 game stacks. So, you know, then give me one Bronco, but then like, I'm done with that game. I'm done with the Chiefs. Now let's figure out, like you would in DFS, secondary correlations, right? Give me DeAndre Swift and Darnell Mooney. Give me Gabriel Davis and Tyler Boyd or whatever. Give me those secondary. Week week 17 opponents? Exactly, exactly. Week 17, is that the the final, I assume? That's the final. And 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 that's that's, that's a a big deal, particularly this year. Okay. With how big the championship uh, rounds have gotten, yeah. um, in 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 on all sites, the championship rounds are great. I mean, there's a thousand people in the DraftKings, fi- you know. So like, imagine if you made a live final, right? You qualified for the MLB be- uh, uh, DK final. I was like, you got there, and there was a thousand people. It's like that's not 
like I congrats you made it right. but like you know yeah. you, you got to beat a lot of people to make any real real money and that's what we're talking about here so optimizing around that week is big and that's where the whole stacking thing comes from I think okay uh so it sounds like your number is about two wide receivers two. plus tight oh yeah with your I should have answered I, I would say two two okay. is optimal all right. all right I like that answer uh I don't know if you know Jordan Vanek, and, and maybe this question makes more sense to you. So he asked the question, what's your Mount Rushmore of professional athletes for DFS? And he said that his are Darren Waller, Will Mallory, and Chris Hogan. Uh, and I, I I was like, maybe this is an inside joke. I can't quite tell if these are just the guys that Jordan Vanek has won with in DFS. Uh, do you have an answer? I, I assume you saw this question as it came in. Did you have an answer for who, who's your Mount Rushmore of professional athletes for? Oh, maybe these are guys who have just done really well. Like they, Darren Waller had his like, I forget, 13 receptions in a game or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. So maybe it's just guys who have had huge weeks in DFS. I don't know. Do, do you have an answer? What's your Mount Rushmore of professional athletes for DFS? Great question. I don't know. I don't think I know Jordan. Sorry, okay. Jordan, if I'm just not remembering your name. But I actually kind of like this question. Um, I'm thinking about it, obviously, in terms of the big wins over the year, over you know the last three to four years. Yeah. <clears throat> the the first one is for sure Chris Godwin, um, which is also really funny because that was just my guy. I, he was one of the first when I was like breaking into the content space, one of the, like, I attached my brand to this dude. I was just like, I, we talked about um, draft, you know, draft.com a while back. And I drafted like 50 plus percent of Chris Godwin that year, because I, you know, that was my stand. That was the guy who was going in the fourth, fifth round that I had ranked, you know, closer to a, like a first round pick. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to make this stand. And he crushed. He was, I think he was the wide receiver two overall that year. He just went absolutely nuts. And then I, I believe it was that same year, they played the Rams in sometime midseason um, in LA. And I stacked that game. This was, um, I, I think, still to this day, my biggest raw dollar day in, D, in DFS. Um, and I stacked that game. And the really funny part is, so that was an afternoon game. And the only early player I had on that team uh, was Marlon Mack against the Raiders. He played the Raiders and he scored two fantasy points. Ooh. And so I had a game, I had Jameis, Godwin. I don't know if I, I can't remember the exact team, but Jameis, Godwin, Evans, Cooper Cup, like just loaded up on on the Rams Bucks game and some other afternoon guys, and uh, so like you know you're just literally basically sweating Marlon Mack. Like don't suck, dude. Just be okay. <laughs> and he scored two. He scored two. This was pre Jonathan Taylor days, um, and he scored two fantasy points. So like I had buddies over to the house, and like we were hanging out, drinking and stuff, watching football. We turned the games off. <laughs> Cause like, you know, I had hundred percent Marlon Mack that day and he was on my high stakes teams. And that day there happened to be like a big, whatever, you know, $3,000 contest or something like that. And I had him on both teams and I'm like, all right, well, you know, maybe I can min cash. That's fine. Let's just, we're like, we were like going to play some video games. We used to play a, we used to play group, like a two on two NHL on the PS3 back then. 
is what we used to do. So, so we're drinking and playing and playing hockey and we get about a like partway in. And, uh, I mentioned Cal Spears earlier. Um, also, you know, he used to be my former boss, but he's also a good friend yep. of mine. And he was just like, he texted me just like Godwin with like a bunch of exclamation points. And it's like the end of the first quarter and Godwin has like six catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns wow. or something like that. And I'm like, Oh shit, maybe I should check my teams. And I go look and I'm in like 10th in the big, t- I'm like, I have Marlon Mack and like my afternoon guys have barely started. And I'm in like 10th place, wow. you know, cause that game was just going nuts. And I, whoever else I had, um, on the team was, was just smashing. And so I actually finished second in that tournament. I didn't even win it to, um, Utical to Utical, but, uh, just like that team, you know, won multiple live final seats and, uh, wow. you know, the, the uh, I think it was about 300, uh, 300 grand or something like that. Damn. And so that was All my, right. that was my biggest, that was my biggest like single, single day win. So Chris Godwin, for sure. The other one, um, and I'll, I'll pile off the other Mount Rushmore's more quickly after this one. This is going to sound really terrible, but my um, one of my other biggest scores was literally the day. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The night that sports shut down from COVID? No way. Yeah. The Rudy Gobert the, night. The Ru- when Rudy Gobert, like, go. I've lost your audio. So I I uh, I literally just changed my accidentally hit a button on my on my <laughs> on my microphone. That's I what I get for that's what I get for uh, fucking around being uh, being an no idiot. physical button. comedy on this show. Just terrible. Um, should be should be better now. But so that night stacked. I believe it was Knicks Hawks. I think. They played Trey Young goes nuts. John Collins is going nuts. Randall, maybe Barrett or, or um, um, Alfred Payton, something like that. And we're, so like I have a stack, I'm in first in like multiple to the, the, the $1,500, the $500 tournament, whatever. I'm winning all of them. And then um, it was a Boban night. It was a Boban night. Yeah. I, I, uh, everybody mostly paid up for, I can't remember, one of the, one of the late game centers. 
And I played Boban and Tony Bradley because we started to get the Rudy Gobert stuff yeah. coming out. And yeah, it was yeah. it was peak, it was peak COVID. And Boban went for like 60, like literally like 60 fantasy points. And so I and the, the Hawks game goes to overtime. I'm sitting perfectly. But there's still two late games, one of them being the Jazz, actually, with Tony Bradley, and then the Pelicans, somebody. And if those games had played, I probably would have finished, like, fifth or sixth in, like, the, most of the, the bigger tournaments. But obviously, Rudy Gobert got COVID, and uh, those games got canceled. And so I uh, stayed. In, in first place and basically shipped like every tournament <laughs> that night on on drafting so i'm gonna put rudy gobert on on <laughs> i was wondering if you're gonna go with gobert or bobon there okay it's put definitely rudy, rudy gobert, gobert. godwin godwin and and ruby rudy gobert and then um hmm, the other ones are a really good question we're we're gonna go back to my old school days and i'm gonna go mike vick because the first fantasy football championship ever won was with old school michael vick and then we are going to go with uh, this year. We're going to go a little bit off the wall. I enjoyed NBA best ball like a ton. I thought I actually thought it was really, really fun. And I think DFS players would really enjoy it. And DeJounte Murray is one of my guys. All and right. like he, he, he was one of my stand plays for NBA best ball this year, you know, as like a sixth round pick. And yeah, as you wow. know, he was, you know, like an 11K Gosh. player in DFS for the whole year. Yeah. So um, DeJounte Murray will be the fourth one. All right, so, so you uh, you kind of brought up a couple questions that we didn't really get into that much. So you said uh, that you had Marlon Mack in 100% of your lineups. What does that mean for you? Like, how many lineups do you typically play in, in, in NFL? Three to five, yeah, three okay. to five. That's kind of what I figured it was right, right around that number. Uh, and it sounds like you, you were also playing the same lineup in multiple contests. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I typically so – so I play a lot of the live final qualifiers. Um, that's, a, that's a big – that's actually a big part of my strategy – is um, the live finals. I've yet, you know, pe people probably think I'm an idiot because I've yet to have a big score in the live finals, but I believe really passionately in the equity that exists in those, in those live finals. Um, if you're able to kind of manipulate the, again, the smaller field cues. Mm -hmm. And so I will play, you know, three to five teams and I'll play them in every single one of the, 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 the higher stakes live, fi live final qualifiers the whatever the wildcat um luxury box etc okay and, and uh was so chris godwin it sounds like must have been fairly low owned if cal spears noticed that you had him and was uh, so was he was questionable him. okay uh yeah and so i played 100 percent of chris godwin that day too and he okay. was questionable and we didn't like it was like a, a real questionable not like okay. a Un, unsure questionable and oh so, I, I think uh, i kind of remember that game now now that the, the chris godwin questionable game i think it was like 50 to 43 off. that game yeah golf yeah. golf Jameis um yeah. were the quarterbacks in that game and what was was that a late swap decision for you i mean i guess the fact that he was questionable uh I, but i but had I, him yeah. i had him and and but i obviously i set myself up for late swap that's another thing yeah. that actually I'm, I'm really passionate about is um, figuring maybe, maybe too much so sometimes but figuring out the the optionality part of things in late swap yeah. is a big that, thing. That was my next question, if that is a big – because you're, for me, for NFL, it doesn't come into play as much as it probably should, to be honest, because I'm doing 150 lineups, and it's hard when you're like 
trying to make certain constructions going in. Like it's a little bit more complicated to do late swap. Uh, less so with NFL than MLB, I guess, but uh, it's probably less of a thing for me than it should be unless news comes out that changes like projections and stuff. Uh, probably though, I should be doing more late swap with, so like in a situation like that, where you had Marlon Mack was your only player, he puts up two points. You can really make, you, you need to get different then, right? You need to be playing those right. super low owned guys. So it really makes sense to be doing more late swap. And you can, I, I imagine you focus on it more because you have so few lineups. You can really optimize all of those lineups okay based on how your early lineups are doing is it something that you do like every week like do you do you do you often have lineups that you don't make any changes to or is it something where you're basically always making changes based on how the early games go definitely err on the side of making changes and i think that's actually one of the things um that's the hardest balancing act to fit to figure out because i uh and 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 again going back to to blender we had this conversation multiple times where i was like okay this happened in the early games and so i was figuring out my swaps or or i or i made this swap because of the marlin mac two points and my big uh i don't know if this is right wrong or indifferent but how i kind of approach it is i would rather swap and lose than not swap and lose basically you know what i mean yeah. and so it is like i said I, I i'm not saying that that's that's right or wrong but particularly from like a, a three entry max guy smaller field type of guy where you really get ownership condensing a lot it's like one thing swinging your way can change your your, your season certainly yeah. can change your week but like you just you just pivot from chris godwin to, to marquise brown one swap that like loses you a point and a half of projection and like but godwin is even if godwin isn't super chalky right he's 14 percent, and hollywood is two percent it's like in a hundred to a 300 man or 500 man contest that that difference is stark with the raw yeah. amount of teams that have that person right in a in a so like the luxury box will typically be 250 people someone is two percent that is so few people that actually have that guy and if he is the guy yeah if he is the guy that you know wins that slate i really i really just like to err on the side of of that like if i i'm obviously not seeking out an entire team of one percent guys or whatever but if i'm going to err on the side um of one or the other it is typically swapping versus not swapping and i'm very cognizant of it like i said it's it's something i'm still trying to work on and figure out what i think is best for it but um that's generally my strategy uh around yeah i think that that makes sense that's probably something that i need to work on in my high stakes game uh, i've said before I, I have not had a lot of success at high stakes and i imagine that's part of it it's just hard I don't, I don't spend enough time on individual lineups and that's probably because i'm still doing my 150 set so probably right. if i focus more on those do, do you ever make swaps to get chalkier like if, if things go really well in the early games then do you make swaps to get chalkier yeah i love that question because i do so i will plan my obviously every week is different like you know if every single one of the best plays and there's only there's only two afternoon games and there's all the best pleasure in the early games it's very different but sometimes you know you get the slates where the best three games are in the afternoons, right? The, the the Rams play the Chargers and the and the the Bucks play whoever in the afternoon. So all the best guys are the best projected plays are in the afternoon. In those scenarios, I will plan. I will 
I will actually spend way more of my time. Like, I don't give a shit about, you know, who the best projections are and all that. I spend the entire time thinking about, okay, I'm going to jam Marlon Mack. <laughs> I like, that's the guy on this particular team, right? I'm going to say, I'm going to play three teams, but like I have one Marlon Mack is on this team. He's the only early guy. What happens if Marlon Mack is bad? What happens if Marlon Mack is okay? What happens if Marlon Mack is good? And to your point, sometimes that means if Marlon Mack goes for 25 points, you know, at 5K or whatever, it's like, that's when it's wheels up 40% Cooper Cup. Like, I don't care. Because yeah. like I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm playing him because I have 2% Marlon Mack on that team. And so, so who cares? But I spend um, kind of piggybacking on that late swap thing. I actually feel like I spend way more of my time every week figuring out those little things. How, like before what are my what uh, beforehand correct like saturday i'm figuring out what are my swaps not like what teams can i play it's like i've decided on joe mixon now what does that mean when joe mixon smashes and and maybe joe mixon i've decided i'm just going to eat the alexander madison chalk right what am i going to do if he smashes what am i going to do if he busts what am i figuring out those nuances is a lot more uh, important to me than necessarily just being like, you know, oh, it's late swap. I got I got to swap. No, it, because we're in that game now, right? We talked about like the top stacks thing. Like I, I know what everybody else is is doing, so I need to plan accordingly around um, how that works with where my lineups are at now. Three hours into the slate. I'm glad uh, Jordan asked that question because it got us around to talking about a really interesting topic, which is late slop and, and some of these discussions uh, related, not really related to this question, but they, they brought them up. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's a really interesting answer. Uh, yeah, very fascinating topic. And, and Jordan, uh, the, the reason I thought you might know Jordan, by the way, is because he does actual, he actually does football content for Awesomeo and I think a few other sites, really, really great uh, football content guy. So that's uh, the reason I thought maybe that he was another one of these like former employees of yours, although I think he's a little bit younger. Um, no, all right. Well, shout out Jordan. Yeah, shout, shout, out to shout out Jordan Vanek. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Moving on, we've got a few more questions. The next one comes from Nerdy Tenor, who asks, given that best ball is relatively new, how much does historical data inform your process? Oh, man, this is such a – he's trying to trigger me with this question because I'm, I'm fairly well known for the fact that um, in the best ball space, and I appreciate every single person that is trying to put in good analysis and stuff, but it, there's two things. One, it has not existed – best ball in its current state has not existed basically ever. We've literally never had contests this big. Mm -hmm. We've never, we like, we've never had people this smart. We've never had this much content. We've never had projections this good. You know, again, comparing it to DFS, you can't compare uh, five years ago um, for anybody that doesn't know, like MFL tens were a thing. Uh, uh, you know, where a best, like you could just join a 10 or 12 man league. You okay. put 10 bucks in and you just like, if you win that league, you win a hundred bucks. That okay. was like the very, yeah, very original best ball was that. And people will like source that data to like try to drive, a, to try to drive, you know, decision-making now. And I'm like, it's just, it's just not comparable. And then the other thing is kind of what we talked about earlier that it's so hard to draw conclusions from a single slate 
basically, which is really yeah. what this is. Yeah. Some people will disagree and that's totally fine. But like one season is one slate and like one, literally one player injury can change the entire data set that comes into, you know, like that we're trying to draw conclusions from. So Derrick Henry is a perfect example of last year. Derrick Henry was destroying last year. If you didn't, which I didn't. You drafted his backup. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> rookie backup. I was a Darrington Evans bro yeah, yeah. last year. That was my brand play. Was and Darrington you got me Evans. on him. Thanks a lot, Eric. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you got zero snaps for the entire season. I hope you enjoyed it. That preseason, listen, he, the very first touch he had of the entire preseason, he went for like 20 yards, and that was really fun. I yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, it didn't win me any money, but it was really fun. Derrick Henry was crushing. And if you did not draft him last year, uh, in week nine, you were like, oh boy, this is really bad. But guess what? Derrick Henry got hurt. So that changes the sample. And binary outcomes change all of these samples in NFL best ball, right? Player gets hurt or player doesn't get hurt. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt or doesn't get hurt. Yep. Player Chris, uh, Jamar Chase puts up 50 fantasy points in the championship week or he doesn't put up, you know, he, right. or he puts up 15. Those are, that drives all of the results. And it's such a tiny micro sample that we can't draw enough from it to really make decisions. What we can draw from in a peer-to-peer, -peer, similar to DFS, in a peer-to-peer -peer game, what are our opponents doing? How are our opponents drafting teams? Yep. Those kinds of things are what we can draw from. So that's what I always try to hammer home. Do you have access to all of that data? Like, can you see all of the teams that were drafted last year? Yeah. Yeah. On underdog um, okay. and drafters. DraftKings, no. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the undersides. Yeah. I thought that was the case. I didn't remember for sure if that, that does, uh, that helps, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. I, I, I mean, for, for somebody like you who's trying to do content related to it and really trying to get into the nitty gritty, it'd be hard to do without being able to see all of the historical teams. So yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, all right. Corey Brown asks, is Eric able to use his influencer status to create a decent sized best ball tournament with ADP turned off? No. Well, and that a no. Shake, shake of your head. No is clearly the answer. Um, influencer status, we are very far. We are very, very far away from that. Uh, I mean, in the best I, ball space, I'd say you're, you're one of the, the bigger influencers. I, I appreciate I, I would equate that to when you called me a shark, I think. And I was like, eh, I'm definitely not, not a shark. And that's the same thing I feel about someone saying that I'm an influencer. I'm very far from that. I appreciate the sentiment. But um, I love that thought, though. That there's been some comments around that that like if the sites didn't put ADP in there, they get wild and just like a player list. Can you like you want to talk about skill? That would you would draw out a lot more skill if you actually had to like that'd be set, fascinating. Yeah, you know, it, it, like because you know a casual couldn't just come in and draft a good team. They kind of can right now when it's yeah. just drafted off of ADP. So. They still don't um, a lot of the time on on draftings yeah. at least. But it, you, it can only get so bad yeah. if you, even if you just auto pick your whole team, it can only get so bad if it's based off ADP. But if it's based off of like an alphabetical listing, like, like you're literally dead, you know, immediately. Yeah. It's like not, it's like not setting a team, you know, you draft 150, you, know, you, you reserve 150 teams on DK and you don't upload your CSV. That's what it's like if you do it off uh, alphabetical. Yep. All right. Uh, 
MB asks, how on earth does he draft plus EV best ball teams while walking multiple dogs? I only have one German Shepherd and she walks me. Do you, you draft while you're walking your dog? You're, do, you're doing fast drafts too. 100%. I do. Um, this is this is a great question. I, I have figured out routines during the summer where it is. So we're in my office right now, right? And I, I actually don't draft a ton of teams sitting here. I mean, I have, I have my phone, like if I really have to, which is also funny because I mostly draft from my phone, even though I'm sitting here with multiple monitors and stuff. If I have to draft, you know, like, or like I'm, I'm trying to catch up, maybe I'm on, not on the pace I want to, I want to be on. I can do something from my phone here in the office, but the most, most of my drafts come, we wake up in the morning. I do a workout in the morning and uh, walk the dogs in the morning. And so drafts will come during those times like i'll be a hundred percent i'll be out i have two um you can't see them here there's but they are sleeping right behind me two 75 pound wildebeest shepherd husky mixed dogs which if you ever watched any of my streams they make an appearance in almost everyone barking or whatever um but they're awesome and i will draft walking them yes and uh and or cooking dinner i th i would i would i would guess more than half my drafts come walking the dogs or cooking dinner is that's when really my funny. drafts come but so that's what we were talking about like the skill of drafting type of thing like my phone's just sitting there and i'm like you know cooking spaghetti or or walking the dogs yeah. and but you just got to know inherently like oh shit they took rashad bateman i i already know like who i want to take later yeah which was not the case for me yesterday i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> it takes a lot of it was my first draft i had no like i had not 100%. looked at who was available yeah uh, all right. Uh, Andrew DeCourcy asks, if DFSers couldn't use optimizers, who do you think would be the best at max entering contests? Oh, man. That is a tough question. That's a tough question. If they couldn't use optimizers, who would be the best at max? Well, me. Because I, I don't yeah, use optimizers. Don't use right. Yeah. The hand, the, hand, the, hand, the hand build bros would yeah. be the best because I don't use them. I don't make my teams with optimizers. So uh, anyone that hand builds would, you know, if you, if you, if you're a three entry max kind of guy, I mean, it would suck to yeah. have to make 150 by hand, but like you're accustomed to it as opposed to, I mean, the real answer is probably awesome though, because he the best players are probably going to yeah, remain the best players. Yeah. 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 But uh, he doesn't need any more credit. It's the hand build bros. Yeah. I, I got to say, most people who use optimizers started as hand build bros. I mean, 100%. at least that's the case for me. We, we were winning by hand building before we ever learned how to optimize. So um, it's probably it's probably Osmo. It's probably the the best. But you, I mean, awesome. at this point, maybe Osmo's out of practice. You're still hand building, and you're True. successful at hand building. So it could be you. Uh, maybe maybe give yourself some credit there. Um, all right. Uh, so here, here's how I like to end the show. Uh, I just want to hear about your favorite DFS or best ball victory or victory celebration Ooh, so the sully for that godwin week was pretty awesome um it's it there's something different about you had your friends like, over already so. yeah that's i had uh i had you know like and like college buddies yeah, yeah like you know some that I, like i haven't seen in a while and stuff so that was really cool because you know when you come from our world it's like it's foreign to everybody that like is in your real life they're like yeah. you know what do you like you know when there's like a holiday on a sunday during the nfl season and like you're sweating teams and you're like ah, you know you're cheering on michael thomas catch 
you know, and you're like, God, that uh, I just made 20 grand on that catch. And they're like, excuse me, what, you know, like that doesn't, that, it doesn't make sense. And so when you have somebody, like I said, we were like broing out, drinking beer, playing video games. And then it was like, oh shit, maybe we should turn this game on and watching it just continue to smash and like having people around that hadn't really experienced that before. I think that's, that's just that, that one is definitely a lot of fun, but my favorite moment actually was last year in best ball. It's, it's, it's the most new and in the space, obviously that I'm like most heavily invested in now, but Peter Overzet, we mentioned Peter earlier on, on this show, you know, he does a lot of draft streams. I do a lot of draft streams and we do plenty together over the course of the summer. He had me on his stream and we drafted a team together. I think it was in July or August, something like that. And that team, literally the team that we drafted on the stream finished eighth overall in best ball mania two last year. I forgot about and, that. Yeah. And so to like, have a team that to get through to the final it was also like the dfs players dream we had it was like so perfect we didn't have any of the chalky players in the final like you know uh, mark andrews 67 percent of teams had mark andrews we didn't have mark andrews cooper cup was like you know 50 percent. we didn't have cooper cup like all, Jonathan Taylor, we didn't have Jonathan Taylor. We actually drafted a zero running back team. And our the very first running back that we drafted was Raheem Mostert, who got hurt in the first quarter of the entire fucking season. <laughs> like yeah, right. week one, quarter one, he got hurt. We lost him. And we made the finals and got eighth overall, you know, out of 200,000 people or whatever. And that's just as, as a, a content creator and like someone, I, I don't even really honestly totally care about if you like my content, you like my content. I, I appreciate you coming and hanging out. I want the space to grow that I'm like, same with DFS. I want, I want what's best for the industries that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And so that part of it was just really cool to see, you know, people being like, holy shit, I can go watch I can go, it, it, it's like if, if, you know, the team when you won a million dollars, if somebody had a camera on you, I know you weren't hand building it, but you know, like if, if you were, but if you were, and they were, and you were like talking through how you built right. it and it was on YouTube and people could go watch it. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's what happened for Peter and I. And so that was just really, that was like a really cool experience. Like, you know, it was, it was worth 12 grand or something like that like it's not a big yeah. deal but it was just a it really a cool yeah. yeah we were live we were we were live to win the yeah. fucking cowboys it's always a goddamn texas team that ruins <laughs> it and cowboys. it's the, and it's the cowboys yeah so they i've had failed, multiple but... multiple times in dfs where i've been live to win two hundred thousand dollars and both times it was $200,000 and I needed one of the Cowboys receivers to score a touchdown or, or just, I think one of the things is just not the other one. And the other yeah. one, of course, scores the touchdown and I did not win the $200,000. So I am very much on the fuck the Cowboys train. Yes. Yes. Very much. They were a big stand. I took last year, probably all year in DFS too. There, there definitely was no team that lost me more money than the, than the Dallas Cowboys yeah. last year between DFS, best ball, everything just, um, they could, we could pay off my house probably with uh, the losses <laughs> yeah. on the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and yeah, I, I believe Chess Liam just recently posted the video uh, of, of that stream of you guys drafting, of course, with, with his team showing up at the top of the screenshot. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so, so it, it is still available if you want to go watch uh, Eric and Pete Overzet drafting a team that ended up eight in the best ball melee out of 200,000 teams. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. Uh, Eric, wh where else can people find you? You're on Twitter at EricBime4, uh, SpikeWeek.com, any, anywhere else that people uh, should try and find you. Yeah, definitely mostly Twitter. Um, I'm shit posting 24 hours a day, uh, talking about never drafting running backs, uh, being an idiot, being an idiot on Twitter. So don't take me serious. <laughs> That's one thing I want to say. Like, there's like people hop in the replies and are like, that, you guys got to take stop taking stuff so serious. Like, yeah. yeah, really big mad. But um, spikeweek.com i'm really really excited i'm really happy you have me on because i'm really excited about uh what we're about to launch uh before we went before we went live on this i actually posted some some more merch that we're about about to uh put out there hopefully this weekend and we're launching some of these tools we talked a little bit about earlier um ways to track your exposure ways to track your you know your stacks and across all sites, including DraftKings, including drafters. And then we're working on some more tools in terms of uh, the sweat type of thing. So I'm just really excited and really proud of what everybody's building at, at Spike Week. So go check that out, spikeweek.com. And uh, we have a free, 100% free Discord. So if you're into the best ball space, maybe you did a draft and you want to get some feedback, like Neil did a draft that was fucking terrible, and he wanted to get some, he wanted to yeah. get some feedback, like where could he have, have improved? We got we got all that covered for you um, in the Discord. So those are my couple of recommendations. All right, right on. Well, thank you to Eric Bimefor for joining me on episode 15 of High Stakes. Thanks to Mike Lawrence for producing as always, and thank you for watching. You'll be able to find week 16 episode 16 of high stakes uh next week on the awesome youtube channel or wherever podcasts live Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.